Yeah, man. Get some beard wax. Oh, got the beard wax. Mm-hmm. I will say I love the oil better just because of just the way that you can kind of like rub it in, get it in there. The wax no, it's got to get – you got to get down to the root. Yep. See, when it gets long like mine, you got to like part it in chunks and like get in there and like dab the oil on the skin. Otherwise, oh. it just – Otherwise, it just kind of doesn't get in there. Okay. Anyway. But you do not want – man, you do not want Beardriff. I know, dude. I don't. No. It's the worst. No, I, I, I get it. I get it good. I get dandruff all over. Oh sure. <laughs> Not all over. Just <laughs> in my hair sometimes. It's like I don't keep, you know, keep it on, you know. Like you get it's it. This like, episode of the Environment Art Podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Hi, welcome everybody to the Environment Art Podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Rodriguez. I'm an environment artist at Firaxis Games. And I'm Ryan Benno. I'm an environment artist at Insomniac Games. And this is episode two. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It is episode awesome. two. We made it. It is episode two. <laughs> Before we get off on like all this, we just want to say first off the reception that we got and some of the really good feedback we got from episode one has been really helpful. So audio quality has been improved absolutely yeah. so hopefully it is up and up for this episode um uh but yeah thank you everybody for all of the really good like reception to it this has definitely been way more than i think what justin and i thought this would be so absolutely thank you guys yeah thank you so much guys yeah uh so on today's episode we have a special guest we have the one and only gloss boss himself josh lynch here, senior texture artist at Redstorm, uh, and a good buddy of mine. Yeah. So and, hi, Josh. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and Josh, Hello. Josh, just to take our listeners through uh, just a little bit about yourself. You've worked at um, a ton of studios um, and have had experience everywhere from Tryon Worlds to Raven Software, Infinity Ward, and Monolith, and now at Redstorm. Uh, you started out as a prop artist, and now you're a, a a senior texture artist at Redstorm. That's awesome. And even more so, you also have gotten into mentoring uh, students within Substance, and you've presented at GDC, um, MIGS, and Noman as a guest speaker. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. I think it's safe to say that you are a professor of environment art at this point, for sure. <laughs> Thanks. That's really kind. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Awesome. I think where we should start is going through kind of a, a walkthrough of uh, uh, Josh's awesome, awesome career here. I know that I've kind of touched on it a little bit, but Josh, do you want to kind of uh, talk about how you started off in the industry and, and how you found yourself at uh, Redstorm today? Yeah, definitely. And uh, feel free at any time to like jump in and ask me questions while I'm talking about it. For sure. Um, I went to, so I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I was born and raised there and I went to school at University of Advancing Technology, which is in Tempe, Arizona. It's a little city right next to Phoenix. And I actually got my first job at 2XL Games in Phoenix, Arizona. And a really awesome guy named Greg McDonald 
I uh, reached out to him on actually the digital tour tutors forum and I saw that he was in Tempe and I was like, Oh, I'm in Phoenix, you know, and he was really nice and he befriended, befriended me and he started to mentor me and actually helped to get me my internship at first and first job at two XL games. And I was there for two and a half years as like a, a junior artist slash prop artist. And from there, I went to uh, Tryon, and I was a prop artist there on Defiance. And uh, yeah, and then after that, I went to Raven, or sorry, Molten, for a brief period. And then I went to Raven, and then an Infinity Ward, uh, Monolith, and now Red Storm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah so you've kind of hopped around a lot, but also like one of the reasons, so for those of you that are listening that don't know who Josh is. Josh is one of the more prominent, if not one of the most prominent substance designer artists out there uh, in the industry. And I think what's fantastic about Josh, and also to be transparent about this, I've known Josh for years uh, as well. And so it's been amazing to see the progress that this man has made over the course of his career. And I think his story, talking about where he came from and how he has evolved as an artist is something that I think a lot of people in this industry should hear more of because it isn't always the story of, I got into school, I did my three, four years, then I went straight into a AAA studio and I've been happy ever since then. And that's not been the case. That's not the case for me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, and so to hear, and also the fact that he found what his like, calling was in a lot of you know, calling for the lack of a better term but like no that's that a was, that's a really good way to put it man yeah 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 so you know like we were talking about this right before we started too it's like i've like i've known you what, like five six years now yeah i'd say that's Probably, about yeah. right yeah so, yeah so that was around the time you were at try on yeah definitely right yeah. yeah so like tell us a little bit about i guess the transition you made from going into substance and becoming that person as opposed to the artist that you were you know kind of what you were saying was more of like a prop artist yeah kind of what was that like for you and what made you i guess move into like designer work yeah definitely uh so i'm gonna kind of go way back here so at my first job i was doing a lot of props and I was using like Mudbox to like 3D paint my grunge maps into my like gloss, you know? Awesome. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, like it was really cool. You know, I would get these kind of stencils and I'm kind of like a a hoarder. Like if there's a resource on some site, I'm like, I've got it. You know, I love that kind of stuff. So I was using my like little packs that you could download, you know, like little dust you know, screen dust or just anything, you know, like grunge maps. And I was painting them and you know, one of the guys at 2XL came over one day and he's like, man, you're just really good at like telling a story with with grunge, like making stuff look really lived in and, and aged. And I was like, oh shit, like, wow, okay, cool. You know, like I didn't even think about it. You know, I was just trying to do a good job, you know, <laughs> like it was my first gig and I was just like really excited to be there. And uh, that kind of, started something for me I think that I I think probably more than I thought of at the time really meant a lot to me and really kind of 
put me down this path. And I remember going to Tryon and it was a similar thing. You know, I was making props and my lead, uh, Kurt Klockow, he was fantastic. Probably one of the, the better leads I've had in my career. And he was very, I think to me, for me, like he was probably the best lead I could have had at the time in my career. He was very uh, nurturing. Uh, he was trying to get a lot out of me, right? Like pushing me, he would sit with me and say, you know, a lot of the, the way he talked to me really affected me in a, in a positive way. So like, That's awesome. instead of just being like, hey, you know, this is not good. He would say, what were you trying to do here? And then I would tell him and then he would yeah. go, let's let's look at it this way. It was never like, this sucks, do it better. I don't have time to talk to you. It was never like that, right? That's awesome. And I think that, yeah, no, it was it was super important, right? Like he kind of taught me through himself and through teaching me like what I could be for other people, I guess is the way I want to put it. That's super awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and uh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, you, you really do see that and just you reflect that in your career with with the mentoring that you do and, and just how you you really put yourself out there and try to show your process. Um, yeah. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love yeah. it, man. I think. Uh, yeah. So like he was he was pretty instrumental, you know, and I I always want to mention that because he's he's a super cool guy. You know, he he did a lot for me, uh, both as a artist and a professional, and as a, just as a person. You know, and I yeah. think, um, yeah, it's it's really good. And but what I was gonna say to kind of go back to like props is, he was like, hey, you know, like you've got kind of a knack for texturing, and this was like the second time I had heard that, right? Um, and yeah, like it was it was cool. And he was like, why don't you make some like texture atlases for us? Well, and awesome. I was like, well, what does that mean? And to be honest, like at my first gig, we didn't, I never did that. Like, I didn't know what that was. I just made props. I did like UI stuff. You know, I, I was just kind of doing all sorts of like high poly models and just Photoshop things. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really cool for me to like really get in there and learn like, oh man, like, so we were making an MMO on the PS3. <laughs> so like... <laughs> Everything was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and mirror this like 20 times. Yep. <laughs> and you're going to get really creative with like where you put your grunge and like where you chip your paint oh, and man. make stuff look really good with really limited resources, right? So that's kind of what I'm that's trying awesome. to say with, yeah, with Tryon, where it was like, I think it, at the right time in my career, I had the right experience, um, which some people never get to have, right? So I'm really fortunate. Yeah. And, but anyway, yeah, we we did that. You know, I was making texture atlases and I I started to see kind of the difference between, oh, hey, my mailbox looks cool versus like, oh, the world looks cool because I touched it. Yep, yep. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can paint with a bigger brush. Dude. So yep. at the yep. time, like Naughty Dog was like probably one of the only studios that I ever saw like hire a texture artist. And I was like, I want to be a texture artist. What does that mean? So I tried to like find out a little bit, um, what does it mean to be a texture artist at Naughty Dog? And uh, I 
I'll be honest, this is something I wanted to touch on. I, I wasn't really good at like what I uh, do now, which is like just being out there, like active in the community. Oh, interesting. I was yeah. very like, oh, hey, I'm, I really, I really loved going to work at Tryon every day. And I was like really big into Quixel and I was like, love teaching people there, right? Like, yep. But I never did anything online and I never knew, like, I was never really active on Polycount. I didn't know what to do. And that's probably like one of the biggest regrets I have is like not getting out there sooner. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, no, like uh, I remember when Tryon closed, uh, there was like a handful of us that went over to Molten and I was just like, I want to be a texture artist. And so I started to do some stuff at home with like stylized art because that's what we were doing at Molten. Yeah. And then Molten closed and uh, went to Raven and I was like doing props there again, which was awesome. You know, I mean, I was making props for Call of Duty, like, holy shit. So that was pretty incredible. Um, but then kind of the same thing there, I could, I started to make some textures and I remember I made this like rubber floor uh, on Polycount and I just did it in Photoshop and like, you know, with some hand painting brushes and like some grunge decals from, uh, from like CG textures. And, uh, it was like one of the f first things I did like online where I put myself out there and, and the response was incredible. Like people were like, how do you just make something so simple look, look, look cool. That's awesome. And then I really knew I was onto something and that's kind of like, I went over to infinity ward and then I just really started to, um, that's where we worked for a very brief period of time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, yeah. So. Yeah, but um, that's kind of where I had my first, where I was like a full-time texture dude. Yeah. You know, that's so that, awesome, that yeah. yeah, so I just so, kind of wanted to give a little story there about how I got there, yeah. Yeah, I know, for sure. I was going to ask, uh, so like your time at Raven, that was around, what, 2013, 14? I think so, because oh. I worked on uh, Advanced Warfare, I shipped Advanced Warfare, and then I worked on Black Ops 3 a little bit. Oh, cool. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So, like, this is kind of, you know, also, I guess, to give a little bit of historical context, too, this is, like, right at the, like, virgining, like, scene when it comes to substance designer. Yeah. Like, it had been around yep. for a couple of years. And yeah. And it kind of shown up a little bit earlier, and I remember being a huge Quixel person like out of the gate very early on this is like probably 2013 oh dude so. just yep. yeah like, yeah quixel's the way to do everything this is perfect yeah <laughs> yeah designer like this seems cool but it's not quite there yet but then there, you started to see people start to figure out how to use the program and that's really the biggest thing i think with designer for anybody is like it's such a unique program to anything else out there in terms of what we do because it's such a different mindset you have to have when making textures and I think it's so radically different that it needed that time the couple of years to kind of get a few people like you getting really into the program and showing people Absolutely. what the potential of it is yeah like I remember I like I was huge into Quixel I loved it I was like Endu is my jam there is nothing better <laughs> like I am not going to work with anything else Photoshop is great you know, but what I want to say is like when I was at Raven, uh, we had some downtime 
and what was really cool about Raven when you had downtime was you could work on anything like for a couple weeks just to kind of recharge because you would oh, crunch awesome. and then it was like you would just kind of come out of it you could you could literally like bring in a, a canvas and paint at your like they did not give a shit like they just wanted you to feel good like you could go out and take do photography That's like awesome, whatever man. made you feel great or like help recharge was what um, they wanted you to do and I had seen Substance Designer when I was at Molten and I was like, what is this? Like, I had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. What do you, what does it mean? Like, I thought it made everything for you and then you tweak stuff. Like, I was really ignorant to it. And I remember um, Rogelio had a couple of videos on like Vimeo. <laughs> like, they were so cool, man. You know, I was like, oh, he's making grunge. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then there was like an Assassin's Creed art dump. And I saw they made some really nice wood floor and they used Substance Designer. Yep, yep. And then that's when I kind of, it kind of hit me that like, okay, this is the next Quixel thing. I yep. need to learn this. And I yep. remember going into the art, like the studio art director's office at Raven and being like, I'm going to dedicate myself to this. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, yeah. like, what else is he That's gonna awesome. say? <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, really, I was really into it, and I was like, we could like make medals for the guns, and then like all the guns could have the same medal. Awesome. So when you want to art direct them, we can just change one thing. And his eyes got wide, yeah. And I knew I was onto something, right? Yeah. Dude. So I just went home every day, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just tried to get shit to work. Like I would make like little micro goals for myself. Like, I think the first thing I did was like bathroom tile, cause why not? And yep. I tried to do it like the Quixel way where you do it all through the normal map. Big mistake. You don't want to do that. But I didn't know that at the time, right? And I just was like trying to get anything to work. And I remember I got my first thing where I could like change the pattern, like, oh, eight by eight, 16 by 16. And I showed people at my desk and they were like, what the yeah <laughs> like it all auto updates and it's all pbr and it's all real time and it was cool right and i think i just really pushed it and i was like okay i did the tile then i did like a few different studies and i just uh tried to get like little challenges to myself for each project like so i'm gonna make some bricks and like how do i get um like i remember i did like a terracotta like hex flooring and uh, I remember like there was uh, like there was someone on Twitter and then like one of the guys at Algorithmic I was talking to kind of helped me and I f I kind of got this look of like sculpted edges and I was like oh like this is rad because then I don't need to ZBrush all the time and I'm not saying that like you know ZBrush is bad or at all but it was more like okay so I could change the amount and I could get a sculpted look like that's that's what was important to me was like the flexibility of it right yeah and so once i kind of like saw that i was like off like i just didn't look back i, I just kind of like kept going and kept going so yeah that's kind of like my little thing with substance there and uh i remember like after tryon and molten closed i was trying to get in it like yeah yeah and i was really like i said i was really wanting to be a texture artist and i remember talking to the recruiter and being like, oh, really, uh, I really want to do textures. And 
like I'll never forget, like she, like we had a follow-up phone call and she's like, okay, so everybody reviewed your work and the art director here doesn't think you know what you're doing with textures. And I was, I was floored. I was like devastated, yeah. you know, not because I thought I was awesome, but because I was like, oh, I don't know as much as I think I do. So that was pretty sobering, but also it was a huge motivator for me because I didn't ever want to hear that again. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes like when you get feedback from like an art director at a place you want to work, like that can suck. But instead of like wallowing in, you know, your misery, just use it as motivation. Yeah, I've always heard a really good little saying about that is that when you hear no from somewhere or no in the game industry, no is not really no. You know, it, it's right. It's not right now, and it, it's it's really like a a really good motivator to say, you know, okay, let's let's figure out where I want to be with my career and sit down and and take the time that you need to to study up and and really just um, polish your work off and polish your process process to a point where you know you you can yeah, get totally. that job because that no one ever is really. Um, you know, blocking someone out. You don't get one shot. You know, you, if you if you put your your heart and your mind to it, you're always going to kind of get in somewhere and get your foot in the door, um, right. which I think is really really great. The, the yeah, one, I mean, yeah, so go oh, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. So what I was going to basically say was just like just to to come back to substance designers. Like you know, you're, you're talking about 2013 and 2014. I think we, if we fast forward to about 2015, at least where I was working at that time. Uh, my coworkers start to see it. You know, we, you know, um, some of us were experimenting with Quixel uh, with our personal work, and and I remember Substance becoming, uh, you know, just hearing Substance at that point. And then next thing you know, 2016 rolls around, and Substance is having their own conference, Substance Days, in, in L.A. in Hollywood. And <laughs> yeah. I walk, you know, I, you know, I walk up to a, a couple buds. I say, man, let's let's go let's go to this thing. Let's figure out what's going on because at that point you started seeing a lot of work from Rogelio and the Naughty Dog guys and right right and, and just like all over the place and it's like man this looks great and then like the more you dive into it, it's like it's just not even destructive at all you can just right. basically make anything that you want to make uh, you can right. change the scale of it on the fly which is was completely different from the workflow that I was used to of pretty much making textures in in, in 3d max and zbrush so totally yes yeah, so yeah and it's all pbr exactly yep the shift yeah. to pbr as well and and having a, a program where you can basically kind of layer an albedo on its own and work with these height maps was just revolutionary oh, to dude. it was a paradigm oh, yeah. shift in, in in environment art for sure and texture art for sure yeah. i mean yeah. you can even see going back to recently i've been going back and looking at a couple of ps3 and 360 games some of the, you know, I won't name the games, but it's like games that you would be like, oh yeah, no, that was like top tier art. And it's just like, you can see that dramatic difference between what PBR has been able to do for us. And oh, the way yeah. that like, you know, essentially like any place I remember at the time working at and even in school was like specular maps were just like all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It was just like, <laughs> yep. whatever makes it look good, that's all that matters. Oh, my gosh. Day, even if it didn't make sense, if you had yeah. a lock cliff yeah. that was like shiny. Right. You're that... like, oh, but like so-and-so had a shiny cliff in their game, so I'm going to make my rock cliff specular map look just like that then, I guess. I, I yeah, remember... and you should put some blue in it. <laughs> I, I, no, exactly. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. I, oh, <laughs> color spec. Wow, I remember being I in college. 
I remember being in college and someone saying, come here, I'm going to show you a really cool specular mask trick. And they went and they took the, the leaves, the scattered leaves brush in Photoshop. And they said, okay, put this in your specular. That, that right there, that's metal. That's how you do metal. And I was just like, <laughs> and it's like thinking back of that, it's like, that was so abstract. And now where oh, yeah. we are, it's like, you're really, you're working on just within a mindset where you're saying, yeah. okay, I'm working on sand. These things are falling down into the sand. The sand is settling in such a way that the water's running through it and there's sediment and all. It just, it, it feels awesome. Cause I feel like as much as I'm working in substance, I am equally a scientist or a, a, a photographer as, as much as I am an environment artist. You're just thinking of all these different things while you're working in here that you really wouldn't really know if you just were to walk through the program or just a glance at the program. You're, it's a node-based program, but it, as much as it can seem obtuse, I mean, it's, it's one of the most free-flowing, um, fluid programs to work in now to create texture art. Yeah, and that's what's beautiful about it is, like, it's so open-ended, right? Like, yeah. that's yep. the thing with with Quixel, right, was I kind of feel like Quixel had the golden handcuffs, right? Where it's like the best yeah. thing about it was it was in Photoshop, but that was also the worst thing about it in the in the end. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. once you started yeah. to like get heavy layer stacks, then it was super, super slow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Like I remember I started the poly count substance, like, you know, Josh Lynch sketchbook thing, like, cause I was like, oh, all the cool artists that I look up to do sketchbooks <laughs> on Polycount. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to do one for substance. And I posted these, like the ceramic tiles. And I just, people were asking me like, well, what's it like? And that was so weird to me. Right. Like, yeah, I, and I realized like I was really early and I thought a lot of people were using it like it. Cause I saw Assassin's Creed. So I was like, oh, there's, there's, I'm late. I'm so late, right? But I didn't know, you know? So it was a really cool thing to like, at that time in the community, because you would, there would be like people on Polycount on Twitter, like, how do you, what do you do if you hook this up? No yeah. one really knew, right? And it was cool to just get things to kind of work, yeah. to kind of flex. And then once you started to get a hold of it, then it became like, okay, let's make good art. And that's when it got really cool. Yeah. So before we get any any further, I think that it, what might be really good for our listeners, especially some of the students here that are listening to this, is before we get into the weeds of just like workflows and stuff and substance, Josh, do you want to kind of go through and give it like an overall glimpse of what substance designer is? Do you, do you think you want to take a stab at that in the sense of like how you use it or how you view it at this point as a tool? Uh, yeah, um, but before we do that, yeah. I want to like kind of go back because I forgot to touch on something. So, oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, sorry. So no, when, fine. yeah, when Tryon and Molten closed, like it was a it was a tough time for me as an artist, right? Because I like I mentioned, I I didn't do a lot of like good marketing, right? Like for myself or my art. Yeah, yeah. And I like had my little website. Um. So, I just want to say to anyone that's listening, like take care to market yourself well like you're always being interviewed like people watch like how you behave and like how you carry yourself and will you be a good artist on the team 
you know, like how do you talk to people on 10,000 hours? Like, are you helpful? Are you an asshole? Like, you know, you don't like people don't really, um, I don't think think about that too much. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. I think, um, what was weird too at the time was like, that was when we were transitioning from what we just kind of all joked about, right. Where you're like making weird spec maps and to go in full blown, like PBR. Yeah. Yeah. And all of my stuff was like not PBR. Right. And so I was really yep. fortunate that, um, Raven kind of picked me up there, uh, and, and brought me on to do props for COD. Right. And, uh, a lot of people, when they get laid off, they can get really distraught and it's really easy to kind of get like down and, um, I think it's really important to stay motivated. I guess I just wanted to throw that out there before we moved on. Because, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, before we get into you know, the ways I, of substance, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I, I've been laid off, like, twice, you know, and mm-hmm. it's really painful. But, man, like, when you know the people in the community, like, they're everybody's there for you. You know, it's easy to feel alone. But, man, oh. when shit gets rough, like, that's when everybody kind of, it feels like they come together. And it's really beautiful, you know. Ab- so. Yeah, I, absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Um also to iterate this point a little bit as well too right like so by the time you kind of had that revelation of designer when you were at raven how long had you been in the industry at that point five years wow yeah Yeah. five six years yeah Yeah. that yeah so i would i mean i don't yeah like what has it been three and a half years since i started using it yeah. yeah. So really, yeah. I guess the main thing to kind of recap is everything really took off for me when I got on Polycount and I became active and started to like develop my like quote unquote brand, you know? So I think I just wanted to throw that out there as like, that's important, you know? Like yeah, branding yourself really well on online is huge. So yeah, yeah. And we can definitely get into that a little later with just like the whole idea of branding and yeah, some totally. Of, some of the things you were talking about, but no, I think that's fantastic. And just to echo, I mean, that's the one thing that, uh, at at work and, and even at home with uh, with all my friends that are game devs, is just that the the whole community is here for you. I mean, like, it, I think that's the most important thing that we try to that we that Ryan and I talked about about this podcast in general, and, and as well as just um, communicating with other developers, is like just trying to keep it positive and. And and yeah. and and reinforcing like a, a really good community throughout us all because it can get pretty pretty heavy you know because you're just constantly working and there's so much stuff to keep up with in the sense of technological oh, jumps and then just yeah. trying to polish off the the way that you really work as an artist in general you can kind of lose yourself um, throughout the years yeah. and to no, just totally. to, to kind of come through the way that you have and you know you, by year five you're like you know what I I figured it out it's like is really a comforting thing, even to me, because you know you, you think that you're going to try to figure it all out when you get into the industry, like within the first two years, and it's just just no way, <laughs> you know, like no, it's uh, impossible. <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of like have to learn what you're doing first, and then you're like, okay, like I, I have a handle on you know my skills to an extent. Okay, like where do you know where do I see my myself you know going from here? And it's one heck of a journey, especially being in this industry where you know everything's kind of moving fast with you it, it can be challenging but I, I find that in- extremely enjoyable once you get a handle on it so yeah and i want to yeah. give a shout out to mrs lynch for sticking with me 
moving uh, around everywhere. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Much love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys have moved around quite a bit. You've been Yeah. Arizona. She's been super supportive, man. She's been California. Yeah. West Coast. East Coast yeah. now. So yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Awesome. that's tough. That is very tough to do. Yep. Yeah. She's been you. incredibly also, supportive. But yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. And she's my manager. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to th- <laughs> you have to thank her for booking you on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for but that's super awesome, dude. Yeah, having supportive family around you too is like, uh, uh, if if it's possible, you know, it's it, it's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I guess let's talk about nodes. Yeah. Let, okay. So let's <laughs> let's get into let's get into these nodes. Okay. Let's so, get to yeah. why everybody's here and let's talk about <laughs> and the beard and the beard. All right. All right. The beard. All right, all right. I've been working. Josh. All right. okay. Beard cream. So so yeah, dude. What is it? Many oils. <laughs> Many oils. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so personally, at this point, or professionally, I've been using substance for only like about two years on and off because of uh, other uh, workflows that I'm a part of and other processes that I'm part of. But I try to get into it as much as I possibly can in my personal time. But there's just so many things to ask about. I think like we, we touched on a little bit uh, earlier in the podcast, do you just want to go through just an overview of what you think that Substance Designer is now as a tool to you? Could you just explain for anyone that doesn't know what Designer is? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best way to think about Substance Designer, if I could think about it this way from the beginning for me, I feel like it would be a lot better. Uh, just as an artist, I think it it's a good pipeline tool. Awesome. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not like you're going to do everything. You can do a lot, but it's really about, I think it's kind of like, I think it's really good for like pipeline and big picture, like cohesion, art awesome. direction, right? So like when you're making yeah, yeah. stuff for yeah. a game and you're painting with the big brush, right? And you're making all these textures. Yeah. When you photo source stuff back in the day, it was like, oh yeah, I'll just slap this in here. But now it's like, you have a lot of control. So it's it's a beautiful tool for pipelines, right? Like, Absolutely. I mean, there's yeah. studios that are like, I couldn't even imagine what some of them are doing. They're probably like scripted it all up, you know? <laughs> like oh, it's I, just, dude, it yeah. gets a little crazy. So, I mean, I think for me, like, I treat it like something that is a lot more uh, iterative and like non-destructive, uh, more of an expansive workflow to how I used to work. Yeah, yeah. But a, a lot of how I used to work is still intact, right? Yep. So I think that's what's cool about it, right? Is like, I didn't have to change the way I worked too much in terms of like what I wanted to do. It was just like, I could just do a lot more and without a lot of worry, right? So like yeah, when exactly. you're like when you're thinking about, okay, well I did this and I spent all this time modeling or sculpting this and now they want me to change it. Like yeah. fuck that sucks. Yeah. Yep. But or I never yeah, feel yeah. like that especially as in ZBrush, like you're just like yeah. hand right. touching each one of the bricks that you know, time. Oh dude. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, so now <laughs> yeah, so now I don't even worry about that. I think if anything I'm more willing to push push on stuff because it is so like open-ended oh do i want to try like this edgeware sure why not if i don't like it i just disconnect it yep yep it's fine you know but what's cool is like substance has such a 
it I mean it really does, right? It has like a steep learning curve. Yeah. But once you know and like once you once you know how to use it, that's one thing as an as an artist, right? Like tackling it as a as a tool and getting good results and like making beautiful renders, that's that's awesome, but Yeah. It's also the same way for a pipeline or a project. Like it's a slow build. But once you get shit going, it's like, oh, I need to make these new brick walls. I got to make these new whatever, these new dirt. So I'll just take the dirt, like the rocks from this graph and the plants from this one, and I'll just plug them in over here. Yeah. And it yeah. really is almost that easy. Right? So yeah. I think that's incredible. Like the your quality goes up because artists are able to iterate. Absolutely. And I mean, being an artist is you want to be able to iterate, right? Like when you can't iterate, it's just like quality is never going to like higher quality can't be reached right yep. i yeah. can't tell you how many times like i think of it like i get to 70 percent insanely quick yep. then to 90 pretty quick and then that last 10 percent is like where it takes a long time yep or long a longer period of time than the initial 70 or 90 but that's also where substance comes in huge is because you can just iterate like Absolutely. i'm just tweaking stuff i'm so adding like yeah, like, oh, I want to tweak the scale of these plants or these pebbles that are settling in the crack here. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, yeah. Being able to kind of just say, okay, I want my bricks to just tweak them ever so slightly to a certain certain degree or, or, or angle them in such a way. You can just do it so fast that if you, if, oh, you go, if you go a little heavy-handed, it's fine. I remember making textures and being afraid to put in too much detail or, or, or too many cracks or whatever just because – I knew the amount of time it would take for me to have to fix it. So because right. of because yeah. of that, I would get to seventy percent, like you're talking about, and have something that seemed rather generic, that I, you know I wasn't happy with. And then having to kind of go back in, the iteration took hours instead of literally seconds. Like being yeah. able to go in and just say, okay, like the, like you said, like the pebbles, changing the scale of them, like especially in game development, in the sense of. Just have knowing that the character is going to run across these certain textures, put it in the engine that you're working with, especially like if, you know, you're working in Unity and Unreal 4, you can just load it in immediately and change it immediately and just be like, okay, like I just want to just tweak it ever so slightly. And it just feels awesome. I mean, you end up just really creating more things all in all. Like I have to, I have to kind of stop myself because I want to make a ton of blends. I want like an eight... <laughs> texture blend no. on some materials because it's like you just kick things out so fast that yeah uh, no it's yeah. it's really cool man and yeah. i mean i think that's just to hear your excitement is really cool for me because heck yeah man when i was like pushing substance i didn't know if i was like doing it right and so to be one of the people that like really pushed it and to hear like how excited you are oh yeah that's really cool to me man like that's yeah. fucking awesome Absolutely. And and seeing like just the games that we worked on are are vastly different. I mean, man, you're you're doing these kind of like fantasy lava uh yeah. te textures like rolling across the ground. It's like, man, I'm I'm just like making like real world tiles and you know, but it's just the amount of stuff that you kind of like can pick up and take from anything in that in that program and and apply it to whatever you're working on is amazing. I remember starting off and we got um some Rahelio videos that we were we were watching, uh, my oh, friends dude. and I, and it was just like, man, he's working on these little cobblestones, but I'm taking everything that he's using in the cobblestone uh, workflow, and I'm able to use it on anything, tiles, uh, right, uh, 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 riverbed, any. It was just like it. What I think that's what's so great about Substance Designer in general is that 
you were really kind of working and you can you can uh, elaborate on this or you know no give sure your, give your input but you're really working on like a beautiful height map that's what i try to tell people that aren't familiar oh, with, the, dude. with the program is that you know like, yeah as much in zbrush you were kind of working on uh a mesh that would you would project a normal and you would you kick that out and you you put it on a uh, a mesh or you know you would work with it in photoshop in substance you're just creating this beautiful grayscale height map and all the little intricacies of the grayscale are just going to be fed into these processes that just create like a beautiful albedo a beautiful specular or metalist map and <clears throat> and uh or roughness and the normal and it's just like man it's like you're just focusing on this one kind of little picture and at the same time though you can just go into so many different avenues and just get really deep into it so yeah no yeah so. and go ahead ryan i think the other thing too about it that i love about it in terms of like working on a team as well like the amount and like you kind of hinted at this a little bit as well too right it's like so much of what we do too is like we will recycle different assets or we will cobble stuff together we will kit bash things together from yeah. a geometry standpoint it might be like oh you made a pillar here cool i'm going to take that top of the pillar you know re-uv it here or reuse it in a certain way because i don't have the time to completely re-sculpt like a thing here right but yeah you, right you know, be a base here to work with and designer works so much in the same way too and a lot of stuff that i've done in the last recent years with designer is really focusing on like building node setups that allow for multiple people on a team to use and get results out of it fairly quickly. That's awesome. Like being able to be like, here you go, here's the brick generator and you could make any brick you want in any way that you want and it just works, right? Yeah, and just awesome. being able to get that in there and be like, cool, hey, you know, like back in the day where it would be like, yeah, you have to sculpt, you know, if you want something of good quality, you got to sculpt every single brick. And now yeah. it's like, no, here's a way to set this up quickly. And if you want to expand on it and add to it, awesome. In a way, it's almost like open source, like code. And yeah. no, it really is. That way too. No, yeah, it 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 really is. And like when Albert Albert Soto and I were working on Shadow of War, like we were sitting right next to each other, right? Yeah. And it was awesome because, I mean, that's really powerful, right? Like we're two different artists. We have we have two two different minds but we have one goal, right? And it's to like make a cohesive look across all these biomes. So how do we do that? We, it was a lot of communication, but it was also like, how are you plugging your stuff in? How can we keep this as consistent as possible? Oh, Albert, like you're fucking killing it with these terrains. What are you doing? Right? Yeah. And like, it, it's just super fast. And like, he could check in his file I could grab the node, study it, and then I would riff off that. And we would just keep pushing each other. It yeah. was awesome. You know, like, and it cool. wasn't like, oh, oh, hey, uh, I'm really good at sculpting and you're not. Yeah. Right? Like, because, like, or I don't have time to sculpt like you do. Or I don't, I don't work the same way you do. It's, yeah. it's, it kind of cuts all that shit out. And it just becomes like, okay, so you got that file. Our director likes it. Give me those nodes. Yeah, it, it takes it takes a little bit of the variables away of like hand like the hand eye coordination, just being someone else. I mean, like if you can really right. u unify, like meld minds and unify to a specific visual, 
a process or, or a theme or a mood with certain art pieces and textures. Oh, totally. You're able yeah. to, you're able to work together and really just, and really just meld together and create cool textures. The one thing I, I noticed too, and just in a sense of production environment that substance before when someone made a few textures, they usually would do the blends for those textures as well. Cause it, you kind of just notice like a little bit of a subliminal, like note of a specific artist. So like it would work a certain way and they would, they would blend it a certain way, but with substance, it, it becomes much easier to, to interchange different textures uh, together. And it's like someone could make a cinder block and I could make a, a, a mud or a plaster. And it just is all going to go together because we're all kind of using the same kind of node logic in a way right. to kind of create like a some sort of term for that but no but, no that's but, but also yeah. too even if we're not and something doesn't look right we can easily go back into it and just just real quickly either remove a tertiary detail that might be too noisy or just right. change, just tweak a scale of just a little detail in the piece so yeah like that's what yeah, yeah exactly that's what i was trying to say with albert is like I like we could grab each other's stuff and it was it was just awesome yeah. you know it kind of removed a lot of stress like I remember back in the day when I was doing a lot more ZBrush stuff I would get like the edge knocking looking pretty good yeah right but then I would go in to do like the pox and fuck me I had a hard time like it like I'd get like one face of a brick done and I'd be like oh that looks good and then I'd flip it over and then I would do the next and I'm like did the same artist just do this you know, like, how am I that off, right? But with substance, yeah. you just scatter some noises and it all, it's easier for you to do the finer details. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And also too, it keeps some of that stuff random. Cause in in the real exactly. world, even even yeah. if you're doing a stylized game, a lot of that stuff kind of falls to the wayside. It, it needs to not feel hand touched to a certain degree, right? That's yeah. where the artistry comes mm -hmm. into it. So you want that lost and found to, to just have a kiss of the uh, of like what the artist wants and the rest of it to settle as it would in real life so right i really think that has a it, it's it kind of kills like a uh an issue of like an uncanny valley for environment art which i think ex existed before this program with some textures i mean i think it still has there's still a ability for that to happen but i mean it's just so easy to kind of like scatter certain little details on the ground or, or pock marks and just like man this is and even if you need to change it like i said it's just super fast yeah so, and it yeah. i mean it gave me like i just mentioned i had like a, a huge confidence issue with doing the finer details in zbrush i was not consistent yep but with substance it it made me feel better yeah you know i don't i don't know if that sounds weird but i was just like oh yeah like the stuff that i would struggle with before is is better now yeah I, out, out of all the programs that I've learned personally throughout my career, coming from uh, an art school background and, and a painting background, a wood carving background, for some reason, even though this, this program, if you look at it just a glance, it looks, you know, it's this kind of visual programming look to it with the nodes, I feel like I'm like into the art process more than I ever was with even trying to paint and Photoshop in some ways. Totally. Um, it's just I can't explain it. It's just one of these things that like you 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 get you can get ramped up into this program, uh, in like a week or so with the the right kind of tutelage, and and yeah. from there you just you're starting to explore the same way you would on a canvas. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's very much the thing about this too is like, you know, I got advice very 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 early on, uh, 
like even as a teenager that was thinking like you need to think about hand placing every single little thing and how important that is and it's like no actually you kind of want the randomness to it right because there's a natural feeling to it yeah like like your thought process in terms of placing stuff you can overthink it in a lot of cases and or or in a lot of times it's just too much work to do so it means you have to be able to take the time to just say you know what it's good that like i can just like throw my paintbrush against a canvas and like the little splatter there just kind of works is it the most perfect looking piece of grass no but when you zoom out and you realize oh actually this is what i'm doing and that little mark doesn't matter nearly as much. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And as long as it's readable, as long as people can get a glimpse of it, even if they're not directly looking at it, that's kind of what's most important. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you touched on something really important there is like you can get really into the details, but when you like you said, Ryan, like when you zoom out, you're making a big picture like read, right? So like yeah. when I was learning substance designer, like I had a really hard time with like, okay, I can't just drop a rock in here, like right there. I can't knock that edge right there with my trim dynamic brush. I had a really hard time with that. But once I kind of let that go and I, when I was learning the tool, I was like, okay, so like really does that matter? I'm getting all this other shit. So I'm getting hung up on like, I can't knock an edge or I can't place a specific thing like right here but I can do all this other stuff. So it kind of like, I mean, I had the, I had to like lock myself out of Photoshop when I was learning substance. So I didn't bring in bitmaps. Yep, I was like yep. <laughs> that I am defeating the purpose of learning substance. If I just keep bringing in other stuff. And that's not to say that you shouldn't bring in sculpted assets from ZBrush. It's more of a point of like changing your, your mindset and, and learning the tool in the way that yeah. like it's it's meant to be used i guess is what i'm trying to get at yeah yeah for sure I, yeah i think that's this is a kind of like a really good point too in our conversation to kind of talk about while it's so easy to iterate in substance you, you can pretty much change things and tweak things forever yeah I think it, it's it, yep it's like <laughs> it, it seems to be something now to focus on with the advent of these programs where you can iterate faster like substance to kind of think about your art more holistically and maybe we can talk about just a little bit on how 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 we all kind of work through our art in substance and how you don't overwork pieces yeah um i think there's a lot to say there uh yeah yeah. in a production environment it's much different than your personal work um so i'd like to kind of split those apart and i guess i'll talk about the the workplace right yeah um and just to use Shadow of War as an example, because that's something that people can go check out on, on ArtStation, is like when we were making uh, textures for Shadow of War, uh, I'll just kind of talk about the, the volcanic map, right? Yeah. The focus of the texture creation for me and for the team, when I'm looking at it with the lead and the art director, so much of uh, Shadow of War was like, well, how are we pulling the player through here? Yeah. And I think when you're when you think about it like that, it kind of like removes you of all the I don't want to I don't know the right word. It kind of like keeps you focused on like the goal. Yeah, yeah. You're not like, "Oh, what about the way this looks?" It's like, "No, what is the what does it feel like when I walk through here?" Like if I take a screenshot of the map and I zoom out to a thumbnail view, 
does it make any like sense for what the player needs to do here and like how not just from a geo point of view but from like a texture point of view right so like we spent a lot of time in that map developing the narrative for like okay so you got the cliff walls that the player can't climb on yep how do we sell the language for uh the in a game where you can where Italian can run up and climb on anything yeah but he can't go over here so we had scree right like there was other artists that uh you know at monolith that made scree before me and i riffed off of their stuff right cool to yeah. keep the the visual look uh together but that's just like logic right so you got your cliff wall then you got your scree and then it's like okay so then you know you got some area in between your your cliff walls and then your path so what does all that look like and then what does the path look like are we doing like sloppy mud is it like packed dirt yeah so there was a lot of time spent looking at just that logic before the textures even got to look good yeah yeah so yeah. i think that's really important to to mention that right is like substance was probably the perfect tool for that because i would work with the terrain guy and i'd go what do you think and we'd plug it in and we'd look at it and it'd be like, oh, I don't think that works. And okay, well, let's just delete these three sands because we don't need them. And it wasn't a big deal because we kept it loose and we kept about large and kind of medium, maybe some small reads, you yeah. know, but like we didn't dial it in. We kept everything grayscale. Yeah. It was just about like where, if you look at a screenshot, like where does the player go? And we'd like settled on the flat path with a little bit of mud, but like that was such a cool experience, right? Of like, you know, narrative driven stuff yeah. just through like what is the texture doing and that's that's really powerful right like you know that substances can help like cater that in a development right where yeah i don't have to go in and like okay well i i'm gonna like drag these height fields and zbrush and okay i got it tiling and now i gotta kick it out it's like no i'll just scale it different and i'll just kick it out it's easy so well, I you're think kind that of that's... prototyping right like that's right. the thing with yeah it's like white boxing it could... Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a continual theme that I found the the, more, the longer I go in my career, is that and it's something I had to learn through the process of working at game development studios. It was never something that was brought up to me in school. Ever. Oh, totally. It was the idea of and the recurring theme of iteration, 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 and yep. that applies definitely to the gameplay side of things and making sure the game itself is like enjoyable and fun and that you're having a good time with it but from an art standpoint as well there's going to be that point there's always the build-up especially if you're working and you're changing gears you know if you have a team that's changing gears from doing you know a realistic game to a stylized game or vice versa of people have to build a rapport of what that art direction is yeah. and you always see that in any project i've ever been on where there's any sort of stylization or even realism um, the work that you produce in the later half of development is always better than the, produce, the, the work that you produce earlier in development and sometimes even in the middle of development. Yeah. Because you've had better understanding of the art style and the direction and it's about trying to get to that point as fast and as quickly as you possibly can. So yep. even though it's important to still try to make stuff look really good or look really nice, still having an understanding of like, this is we're building towards something we need to kind of get towards that how do we do that as fast as we possibly can so we can produce as much good work and also as well as kind of what you were hinting at too is like 
make sure that you don't take step backs and then say, all right, we have to go clean up all of these things that we made, you know, years ago, like, and get yeah. them up to snuff to where it needs to be, yeah. you know? And a lot of times you'll be like, God, what was I thinking at the time of this? It's like, well, I was trying to make the best looking thing I possibly could. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, don't necessarily have to go to that route at that early part of development, I feel like, anyways. Yeah, I, th I think that's one thing to keep in mind, too, with with it just being so easy to iterate is like you know let some let some things rest if if there is time at the end of production to maybe revisit some of the some weaker pieces or weaker textures you always yeah can, totally you always can do yeah. that but that 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 really is i think one of the the big things for me not not so much a negative but definitely something to keep an eye on when working with designers just you know like knowing when you know just to let something rest like you said Josh like you you were doing a lot of almost concepting in the visual space with the designers um in shadow oh of War dude yeah in yeah. gray that, that i that's what i love about just i usually will throw a base material um in my substance designer uh workspace and just flow my height into there grab the normal from that and then oh, maybe yeah. like maybe a curvature smooth on, on a on a uh and just pump those out really quick and just take snapshots not even worry about kicking it out of the time because i want to keep it loose yeah and, um throwing them in the edge and say okay everything's down i have my diamond plate i have my tile i have my concrete what's working what isn't working and then from right. there saying what else do i need and sometimes i'll even get into some blends at that point and just say okay like how 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 in depth is this material or is this texture gonna really go within this this space so yeah no i think uh when you know working on like Call of Duty is a different mindset than it was for Shadow of War, right? So, like, I remember going to GDC and, like, talking about making substance designer textures for Call of Duty, and the focus was, like, you're running around and shooting. Like, you gotta, like, at an, at an initial glance, the texture's gotta read. Maybe somebody will pause and, like, check out the gloss map. Maybe. But it's all about, like, quick quick digestion you know yeah where on yeah. shadow of war it was like oh i'm gonna digest right and we're third person and we're gonna kind of stop a lot and look around we're gonna listen to the orcs talk you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's kind of weird but it's a different mindset so we uh when i was working on it like i pushed a lot more uh smaller details into the textures uh to kind of help with that right where in COD, like maybe I wouldn't even consider it because uh, you're just trying not to die, right? Yeah. Like it's it's different mindsets, but that's again like the beautiful thing about the tools, like it can kind of cater to both. And I think that kind of is also something to say, like realizing the kind of production you're in. Yeah. Like to mm -hmm. like what kind of art are you making here, right? Are you like making art that like serves a certain purpose, or are you really storytelling with your art? You know, like, what are the tools like? Like, you know, the way you might want to work on the last project you were on isn't going to fly here. And yeah. being, like, flexible to change for that and how can you you do that? And I think substance, and I mean, for me, is, like, shown I can go to, like, mainly any project and it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, right, like, I totally agree with everything you're saying here in terms of, like, keep in mind the perspective, not just literally of like what you're seeing in the game but also of the scope of the project absolutely of yeah. what players are doing 
in those moments, if players are going to stare at some at something for more than a couple seconds regularly in a game, then you probably want to take that into consideration when you're making stuff. If players can get super up close in a camera constantly to look at something, if that's part of the game experience uh, that you're going to have in the game, it's important to be able to back that up visually as well. You know, if you yeah. have, it's it's a totally different game changer every time when you're like, cool, we're going to do third person camera. It's going to be free roaming. Now we're going to do first person and it's free roaming. Now we're going to do fixed cameras. Now we're going to do isometric. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, man. Be able to zoom <laughs> in and out. No, you're only going to be able to look back out, right? Like all oh, these man. things yeah. matter tremendously when it comes to building an environment, not just from an artistic standpoint, but also from the actual creation and being able to make sure that it runs properly, um, being able to, you know, make sure it fits within budgets and yeah. You know, like it fits into what you're trying to do thematically with the experience as a whole. If you're trying to do a storytelling experience, then you need to keep that into consideration as well. Yeah, like I think if you look at the stuff I made for COD, the emphasis was like on the gloss map and very simple albedos, right? Because you want easy, you want things to like be easy to read in the scene because you're looking for like who to shoot. Right. So you don't want like really busy textures, but when the light rolls across, you want it to feel good. Where if you look at like the Shadow of War stuff, there wasn't as much of an emphasis put on the gloss. It was more on the albedo. Yeah. Because it was more nature stuff. And I, that was something I was like, oh, I was really surprised by that. Like when I was initially working on Shadow of War, I was like, man, this stuff just doesn't feel right. Why doesn't it feel right? And then I really studied, like, I'd go on walks. Like, I mean, it's Seattle, right? So there's shit growing everywhere. And we'd go on walks, and I'm like, man, (laughs) there's, like, little details that I'm not putting in, right? Yeah, yep. So it was kind of like a a cool moment for me as an artist to go, oh, I see. Like, I need to change, right? So I think that's really cool, man. Like, just to know, like, uh, oh, those, those two main things flipped, but in the end, it still needs to look good. I, I was really surprised by that. Like, I wasn't expecting that when I went from IW to Monolith that like, oh, okay, here, here you go, Josh. Like, when you're driving up, get ready, shift your mindset, you know? Like, nobody, <laughs> like, yeah. just, there yeah. was no like, you know, kick like kickstart guide to like working on natural textures. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about all that stuff. So it was, it was cool. It's, well, uh, I know it's, 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 I think, the more projects that you work on, the variety of them, you have to start to realize that that is an expectation you have to kind of take into yep. consideration. Even if it's like, okay, I'm going into this project and I don't even quite know that there's going to be things, but I need to be aware that there are going to be certain aspects of this that I'm going to have to readjust the way that I think about asset creation, whether that's because of the last oh, couple dude. Of years yeah. yep. working yep. on something or it's just like, this is what it's naturally always been for me. You know? Yeah. Yep. It's it's one I thing remember. that it's oh, sorry it's one thing that no, it's... that uh to you you talked about Kickstarter with this software specifically it's just the community around it and the amount of amount of killers out there that are just really making awesome textures including yourself mm-hmm. it's just, and, and everyone just showing their nodes and how they make things it's just been such a great way to when you do change styles you do change projects you're able to kind of kick some stuff up and just say. All right, what are they doing to kind of like get this this specific type of fidelity that I'm looking for within my own textures? 
And right. it, that has been such a grassroots thing uh, that really has pushed like everyone into a, a great direction of just understanding the software. But Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a great point. Since we're uh, kind of getting really into the weeds here in Substance, I think that it might be good for us to kind of shift gears here or kind of pick your brain about how you got into mentoring specifically. We heard earlier that, you know, you, you had really good te some really good teachers that really inspired you. Um, yes, but you, definitely. You, you now are running classes and running mentorships uh, of how to work in Substance. Like, how did that come about? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I, I uh, when I was at Raven, I I was uh, well at Tryon, like to kind of go way back. Uh, the character art team there was like really into like Quixel, and they were like, "Can you show us what you're doing?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, cool." You know, and I I love to teach, right? But they kind of yeah. like, they were really good, like all of them right they were really good at like asking me to like explain it yeah. and i was like oh mm. like i know what to do but now i have to think about how i'm delivering the info yeah and like you know because these are like you know really talented guys and they're like asking me well what if i like rotate my photoshop shape is that gonna like change my normal map in a negative way and i'm like i i don't know i gotta i gotta go look <laughs> you know so like yeah just even like I'm just trying to always bring it back to like the the core foundational things that I can think of that made me really like think about stuff. Yeah. Um, so like there was that, and then I went to Raven, and I was doing some stuff in in ZBrush, uh, and like you know doing some hard surface stuff and like some organic stuff. And the the lead on the single player side where I was, he was like, well, why don't you give some demos? And I was like, oh man, really? Like in the theater? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, awesome. yeah. go put that together. And then he's like, when you're done, put, put some written guides together. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Okay. And then I started to see when I did that, and then I saw like 15 people impacted by what I showed them. And then they saved time. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So then I were like, I just fell in love with it. Right. And, um, I think it was kind of like those kind of things, you know, there was like some of that, there was a few, a few times at Raven for that, a few times at IW for that. And, uh, I was doing like written tutorials and I was like really nervous, you know, I'd kind of like, I, I even did some for like Endu back in the day, I think, but I was like really nervous to put them out. Yeah. <laughs> and, like I was like shy, like I'm trying to say like, uh, I wanted people to read it, but then I didn't. Yep. I yep. was like nervous. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what if, what if, what if it's not good? Really insecure, right? And I think a lot of people are like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And like, but then the reaction was really good. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, well, they like the written stuff. Well, okay. Well, now the next step is like video tutorials. And I was like deathly afraid. And yeah. Wes McDermott, at IW or at uh, Algorithmic. Yeah. I remember I was at GDC one year and I just, I was like, do you have like 15 minutes? And we went over to the side away from the booth and I was like, dude, how do you do your video tutorials? <laughs> and he just like walked me through it and I was like, people are asking me to do it, but I'm, I'm, dude, I'm afraid. Yeah. And he's like, man, I watched you present today. If you can do this here on the floor, you can do it. 
And I was like, no, it's different. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's not the same. It's different. You know, just like putting all this shit in my own head about like why I can't do it. Yeah. Right. Instead of like being like, I can do it. And I think that's kind of uh, one thing I wanted to mention was like, uh, there's a lot of artists that get like, they have like negative self-talk. Yeah. Like internal dialogue. Uh, I know some people are like, you know, they have like, they call it like imposter syndrome or they just have a lot of doubt about their skill or like, why am I here? I'm not that good. Yep. But really like, I think there was people that I worked with at Raven that really wanted me to, to do video tutorials and Wes really pushing me and other people and I did it. And I was like, oh That's man, awesome. I bought like the mic you know, the blue Yeti pro. And like, I got all the gear <laughs> and like, I sat down in our little LA apartment and I'm going to just be really honest here. I was like quaking in my boots. I was like, okay, I got my like course outline, you know, fundamental concepts in substance designer. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I remember I'd, I'd sit down and I'd be like, hey, everybody, it's Josh Lynch. And then I just would lose my train of thought. I'd have to do so many takes. Yep. But once I was like, once I kind of got through that and I put it out and like there was audio issues, <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't know how to like, uh, I didn't have like good branding, but people bought a lot of cop, like a lot of the tutorial. Yeah. And I was like floored. And they, they were like, make more. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, you got something so, special, yeah. Yeah, I was like, very cool. So I guess what I'm really trying to say with all this is like, in my own weird way of explaining it, is that if you like believe in yourself and people are telling you you have something to offer, like give it a go, you know? And like, it's okay to feel the way you feel because you, you know, like you're a human being and like artists are insecure people and you know, like, it's uh, it's good once you get through it though. It's honestly been one of the most rewarding kind of things that I've done in my career, uh, as far as like the the video tutorials go. And then, um, you know, to kind of talk about the mentorships, uh, once I got a few video tutorials out there, and when I was in LA, I had like uh, taught a uh, like a fifty person like live demo yeah that was really cool you know that was really challenging and then like i did gdc and then these video tutorials and like i was like okay so i was like what do i do next and i i was like oh i want to do like a master class myself like online somehow because that's what you do at a conference yeah yeah and that was my like road like my thought process like what do you do at a conference I want to do that. Like, why not? Like all this other stuff has worked out really well. Yep. But then I thought that's really rigid. And I saw that like Anthony Jones, who's like a, you know, a concept guy. Yep. Yeah. He, he does like mentorships. And I was like, Oh, what is that? And then I was like really in my own head about this masterclass. I was like, I got to do a masterclass. What do I do? Like, how long will it be? You know, like, yeah. And then I saw like Ryan and, and Xavier, post that they were going to start it at insomniac and and as ryan has has mentioned like i've known him for a while so i was like dude what's up 
what what does this mean yeah yeah like can i can i do it am i encroaching like am i am i stepping on your toes like and ryan you know being the awesome guy he is he's like bro this would totally pair with what i'm doing do it and i was like oh okay you know like it's awesome, not yeah. expecting that like you know I didn't know what to expect. And I remember like we were trying to figure out like the Patreon system. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. We, were on, like, we both around the same time realized Patreon is not good for what we need to do <laughs> yeah. uh, at yeah. all. Not one bit, no. Yeah. Oh dude, and like we were on Skype and I was like, Ryan, I'm sorry, I just don't know what to click. And he's like, I don't either, bro. I'm gonna click this button and I was like, Okay. <laughs> so it was it all worked out. I did it for one month and then it immediately went to Gumroad. Oh, I did too. And what was funny was like, I had already had a Gumroad. I don't know why I just didn't do that there. I just thought Patreon seemed really cool. You know, it seemed to like have a lot of options, but at the same time, it was too complicated. Um, But anyway, so to kind of get back to why I'm, why I do them. And I think when I did my first one, it was like really rewarding. You know, yeah. like surprisingly rewarding, like even more rewarding than any of the video tutorials I had done. And the reason it was was and continues to be really rewarding is like it 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 is not a rigid experience for the artist that has signed up or for myself. Yeah. So if I were to have said, Oh, I'm doing these master classes, we're making brick walls this month. Well, what if like twenty of the people that wanted to take my any kind of class with me don't care about brick? Yeah. Then I'm not I'm not um affecting like I don't I don't have an effective wide reach to to teach. Like I want to teach a lot of people. I'm really passionate about it. Yeah. And that was that's a pretty rigid way to go where when I do the uh mentorships it's like I've had people I've had people sign up that are like uh you know they work in AAA, they work at other studios, they're students. Yep. Or they work in like mobile and they want to get into AAA and we talk about that. It's it's really cool, you know, and uh, yeah, like it's it's been going for a while now and I'm really thankful. Like the community has been really amazing and yeah. yeah. I'll just have to uh, say yeah. too, like just watching you and Ryan do the mentorships too is super inspirational for me. I mean, just being in the industry as long as I have been, it's like, man, not only have I considered... <laughs> taking both of your mentorships just because I liked I just love to kind of learn from anybody I can kind of get in contact with but it's really great to see it's like man like I didn't have the opportunity in college to learn anything right close right. to what you guys are going to be teaching I mean right. like and it's just like to me it's just it's just like a it's just gold it's like internet gold seeing that stuff up there and you guys like are really providing uh just really awesome information and and having a positive uh 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 path about it is i think is super cool and and having it free form as well is something that is great just because everyone's going to have to uh learn everyone learns in different ways number one but everyone's going to be at a different point especially with something as complex yeah. as some of these game uh some of this game software you know like be it an yeah. engine or yeah. or or substance designer so no even it's just like modeling or uh, even hey like you know i've had a couple mentees that have just been like hey i just want to learn how to bake stuff or hey i want to learn how yeah. to like better at like set dressing in that case i'm like all right let's 
focus on that. Let's not get necessarily you making models, which is fine, you know, through things like Unreal Tournament or UE4 asset packs and just say, let's focus on that. Yeah. And do that in particular. And you know what? It's great to hear Josh having a lot of the, again, a lot of the same sentiments I feel about this. This is definitely the most rewarding thing that I do regularly. And I love it. Um, It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's wanting to share information that we genuinely, I think we both feel very passionate about. And we both feel like, Hey, this is like the things that we have found that have been successful for us. You know, Josh is a very observant person about his own career and things that have worked for him and he's very in tune with that and I think in a lot of the same ways it's something that I think about a lot too and it's something I try to share with people that run through my mentorship as well is like yep. we want to talk about like not just how to get better at being a craftsman but understanding like the things you have to do to be able to get a job and then once you do that how to continue to work at a high level, how to continue to grow in your own personal career and just kind of, you know, like keep it going, you know, and find ways to not burn yourself out either. And that's something I also speak quite a bit about is like, Hey, let's talk about ways to not burn yourself out. You know, like I'll have students that are like, yeah, I'm so used (laughs) to like doing like crazy, you know, 10, 10, 12 hour days in front of a computer monitor yeah. modeling stuff and like I'm like that's a terrible habit for you to learn right now as a student absolutely that is not to be expected yep. you know you shouldn't be okay with having to deal with that and you know yeah, you I shouldn't take shouldn't take mm-hmm. pride in it no absolutely. no like I don't care how long it took you to make something I care about whether or not someone was smart about the way that they made something You know, I hear more about somebody being able to say early on in development, hey, let's not make this the most freaking cool looking like lava rock that we can. Let's figure out the amount of detail we have to put in there and let's just iterate and make it fast, right? Almost like a jam session. Just like, let's just get it going. Let's get the the base idea down and then we can get the polish in later because we know that we can do that. We just need to get everything else solid first. We can make anything look good but we wanted to make sure that it fits the purpose and the need of what we need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think too, a lot of the stuff that I think Josh and I agree on in terms of what motivated us to do this beyond just like, we'd like to share stuff. We want to do it is like, there's not a lot of people and courses, unfortunately out there that really teach about like being a game artist. You can be an environment artist. You can be a texture artist. You can be yep. a material artist, a character artist, but actually working on a game, Yep. Making a game is a totally different experience than making something that's just for a portfolio. Exactly. Or, yep. Okay, here's like me and like five or ten of my classmates making a, a quote-unquote game. Yeah, we don't have a programmer. We don't have a graphics engineer. We don't have even a real game designer. We just want to have something that's more of an art showcase. And that's fine. You yep. can learn the tools. You can learn all that stuff. But when it comes to actually understanding, like working with all the different disciplines that you have to work on on a team that's a totally different experience and I think it's something that's unfortunate that it's not talked about enough and that I think you know I, I can probably speak for all three of us it was something that we had to learn and kind of adapt to and was, you know at least for me I know in particular it was kind of a bit of like oh whoa like even my first week at a studio I was very much just like oh 
wow, this is a totally different experience than I thought it was going to be. Like, yep. There's so like art, art's not even here. Nobody like we're off in our corner doing our own thing. Everyone else is worried about all these other issues that are completely unrelated to the art. They're like, okay, you guys make stuff look pretty. You're cool. We're going to worry about making sure servers are maintained or that the game is fun or that, all, you know, our engine tech works like all yep. these other elements to it. Yep. Yeah. No, I, th I think like, I remember at Tryon, they were like putting together like a dungeon, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, they were just blocking it all in. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll start making textures. And uh, the guy overseeing it's like, you're not doing anything until we make sure that it's fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. And that, you know, like, it's just to kind of add to what Ryan said, like, those kind of moments, like, in, in, a, in a career are, like, really, really cool, right? Because it's like, oh, that's the priority. That's, that's the reminder that that's, like, art should not be spending time on something that's not that fun yet, right? Yeah. So I think that's, yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that what would be really interesting to shift our discussion to is just, you know, we're talking a lot about just being in the industry, but I mean, like, for two guys like yourselves where you, you, you know, you're, you're doing all this mentoring and all this additional, like almost a, in a sense, a, another job, you know, at home, right? Like right. You, you have like another uh, passion. How do you still balance personal work? If you guys can touch on that, we can kind of get through like maybe even how we we treat substance designer at home in, in comparison to in a production work cycle. Yeah. So like, man, I treat whatever I do at home is like my time to explore. Yeah. To like to grow and to flex, you know, and to like push my skills and then hopefully take that back to the studio. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, like it's not talked about a lot, but not a lot of studios are going to go, oh yeah, so we're going to take a month out of this year and we're just going to like have people come in and teach you guys a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You, it doesn't work like that. No. You have to like grind. I had to grind on this substance stuff. Nobody was like, hey, um, we really want to, you know, bring in like the main guys from Algorithmic out here for like a month and, and have them show you everything. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen, right? So I think... Um, for me, like I love learning the new the new skills, and yeah. that keeps you marketable, right? Like when I when I say marketable, I mean like get a get a seat at the desk, like in the studio. You yeah. know the yeah. current skills to keep gainful employment, right? So like, yep. what's what's happening right now is like PBR substance. So like people are wanting to learn that, right? Back yep. in the day, it was like. I got to really show off my ZBrush. And before that, it was like, I got to add my edge loops for my high poly model, right? So it's kind of like... Yeah, that's a good point. The industry like mm -hmm. shifts and you got to... It's a lot of like at-home stuff. And I think for me, uh, if I'm good at what I do at home, then I'm going to be good for my career. I guess is like how I think about it. No, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just to add on to that is like, man, right before we got on this call, I'm I'm... I, I always spend my personal time like not only finding doing work that inspires me to to keep keep kind of going and stay fresh, uh, not only at work but at home, and keep me relaxed. But I'm you know I'm still like been in the industry for almost a decade now, and I'm still I, I'm taking a lighting course. Why? 
because I, I want to. I, I, I like being able to learn anything and everything I possibly can about a subject. You know, I and, and at the same time I'm picking up books and watching movies and, and, and just like gathering anything I possibly can. And even even, you know, doing this podcast with you guys has been a huge learning experience of being able to just to discuss yeah. things that yeah. that I already know, but also things that I don't. I mean, the amount of questions that I have that we could gosh, we could have a whole episode of just picking your guys' brains about gosh, what nodes you use in substance or, you know, like <laughs> you know, like yeah. any of that stuff could be, you know, just hours and hours of conversation and stuff that I'm always looking forward to learn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you brought up something really cool about learning lighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you learn another discipline, you have empathy for that discipline. Absolutely. In production. Yep. Nobody told me that ever. <laughs> you know, like I had to yeah. like learn that. So like uh yeah, like you if you're like if you have empathy for what the effects guy is gonna need to do, yeah. Then you're gonna like probably go over there and talk to him or her. Exactly. And be like, hey I'm making this prop. How's this gonna affect you? Yeah. Like that's crazy, right? You don't nobody really talks about that, but that's super cool. You know? I, yeah. Like so I applaud you for like learning lighting cuz now you can go over to the lighting guy and be like, "Hey, I took this class like is this what you're up against?" And yeah. And they'll be like him or her will be like, "Oh god." Yeah. Yes, and it sucks. You know, and yeah. and then you'll be yeah. like, "Oh, they get we get each other." <laughs> you yeah. know? So like Yeah, for sure, but not not even yeah. just I mean the empathy the empathy part and just the camaraderie that comes from learning parts of someone else's discipline is fantastic but even the understanding of what they're doing so you can um, co have better compromises and collaborate right. more effectively totally. I, I yeah. mean they, if I, I actually I usually joke about this with some of my friends that uh, I was a huge Final Fantasy nerd but I say my, my job is like in tactics speak like my jobs is environment artist but I like the sub job and like have my sub jobs in in lighting and level design it's like anything right. that I immediately touches my discipline that I know can really heighten the experience, especially with level design. Like you were talking about in the in, in Shadow of War, of just outlining what the paths look like and what textures you're using to guide the player. It's like all of that stuff just makes the environment art feel so much better and play so right. much better when players yeah. get their hands on the game. Yeah, yeah, and and you know even to kind of go. And kind of in the same direction of kind of what you're talking about too is like so much of my time in the last couple of years has been like actually just learning how to prototype games yeah. and or and like a focus on narrative games which for me is then like learning about like writing and also performance and yeah. how that gets portrayed into the final game and it's like like how do these different things work in the different types of ways that you present narrative do you present it with performers and actors that are speaking it. Do you perform it with just text? Do you perform it with little sprites or little characters that are there and the text shows up, right? And these things can add to a lot of it um, and add up to like what makes the experience really, really good. And what I've been able to take out from a lot of that is reassurance of a lot of things that I've learned as to what's helped me to become the artist that I am is like understanding reference. Yep and applying that stuff in a lot of cases understanding like all right how did somebody like tennessee williams learn how to write like dialogue and just yeah. immersing yourself in that in Absolutely. a lot of ways and understanding like plot structure 
and story structure and theming. And that's also been able to help me out tremendously with understanding how to push that visually. And it's something that is not necessarily always talked about in our fields in terms of, you know, we'll talk about like environmental storytelling and putting in little props and things about the bits of the scene. But we don't always talk about like, how do we put subtext into a scene? How do we talk about like continuing motifs and themes that might reoccur visually that you might see in like a film, right? Is like those ideas and things in there. That's stuff that can help enhance the experience you might have if that's something that goes in in that direction and being able to take time away because it is very much like you know i love my job i go in every day and it's the most rewarding like environment job i've ever had to the point of i get home and it's like i want to build scenes i but i'm not really like pushing to be like i want to make a prop or do this little thing i want to make big scenes and i want to be able to put actual like interactive elements into those scenes to make them work and that just takes a lot more time and experimentation to kind of get that up and running in a lot of cases yeah but again it kind of all feeds back into each other because it's like here's all the stuff i'm doing on my free time and having an understanding about these completely different disciplines in a lot of cases that are not necessarily visual either yeah and saying how can i apply that those lessons and those things back into a visual language that I love and that I do on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's kind of like the fun of it too. And in a lot of cases it just starts to kind of form, you know, a a language between all of these things that's just really like inspiring and fun. And you can feel like there's a bit of diversity to the work that you have. And again, right, like you can also relate to the people that are doing the work in that case as well and just saying hey okay i get what you're trying to do let me help you in a particular way let's have a dialogue that wasn't necessarily originally there right and i want to be able to understand your language and help that to enhance your work as well as like you know bring bring us both together the work that we're doing and bring the project and the team up together and say here's the example of what we're doing yep you never just talking about how you were saying that you're you're examining examining writing and and bringing this back to your environment art and your your profession i I have a buddy that's a was it a a, that is an effects artist a tech artist and he went and and did a uh an improv class just on the blue and it it you know he he did it kind of as a as a uh you know his his, uh girlfriend is an actress and she thought it'd be really fun for him but i bet you that if he keeps taking some of these courses that you're going to you're going to notice slight changes in his effects in his in the way that you know he kind of collaborates with people and mm-hmm. and just the composition and the the timing and the rhythm of what he does with his yeah. work is just going to yeah. become that much better like so yeah. i've i've done that same thing oh awesome and it is Incredible. It is a transformative experience. I think anybody that's a creative, regardless of whether you are within the environment field or anything, you should go take an improv class because it really is kind of like this push towards just accepting ideas. Yeah. And saying, instead of saying, no, we're not, no, 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 like off the bat and just being no, you have to say yes and actually process it and say, and in a lot of cases, that's how sometimes it works on a project too. It's like, hey, we're going to implement this thing. I don't really like it, but this is the reality of it. So now how do I adapt myself to this to still be able to do successful work in yeah. certain cases? Or be like, okay, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. 
but I can now take this and try something different. In a lot of cases, it's just honing those skills, you know, because it's, yeah. you know, these classes are very much like you got to go fast, you got to think, you got to be on your toes, you got to be prepared to do it. Yep. Whereas a lot of times for us, it's like, all right, I just got the news that, you know, this particular thing is going to be changed or cut. Yeah. All right. I have a little bit of time to process that, you know, a couple minutes, maybe a couple hours to kind of get my mind wrapped back around it. But being able to have those exercises where you're just like, all right, let's do this. Let's get this going. Um, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I like it's something I really definitely push of saying, go do improv. Like it's going to make you a better creative person. You're going to be able to come up with more ideas. And in a lot of cases too, right? It goes back to the theme of kind of what we talked about here is like iteration. Like yeah. Just throw as many things out there as you possibly can. Get them, you know, like working in some tangible way and then come back and say, all right, which of these things is the best option for us to do instead of being like, you know, in a lot of cases you're like, I don't know. All right, I'll just go with this one thing that I just made because it's fine, whatever, I don't care. Uh, but if you're like, no, hey, I made these seven, eight little things that have the foundation in place and then run with it, that's where it's like, cool. Now I feel more confident in my ability to to work because I have more options in hand. Yeah. And, and just to really hone in on you, talking about iterating as well is like something that we talked about before we started is spending time at home and don't be not being afraid to kind of revisiting revisit old work you know and 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 and, and try to use some of this new new ideas like new new things that you've learned whether it be writing or improv or whatever and and, and really enhancing these pieces it, it's really informative and, and, and often inspiring to go back and see how you would do something differently. I, I remember even just being much greener and, and earlier in my career taking in a trash can. I would have this trash can prop that would come home and, and UV every couple of months just to see how I could pack the UVs better. And then at one point it became a trim sheet for trash cans. You know, It's just like how you grow as an artist like really can be yeah. reflected in some of your work. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just it's something that never uh you know, never keep out of the conversation it's like you know it's okay to kind of come back to your old pieces and 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 see you know how you would treat them differently so. yeah i would i would really yeah i i i've noticed that like the last mm, so many months on art station there's a little bit of a trend for that but i really noticed when we went from the old like way of working uh to pbr people would take like really really good game assets like you know, cool props, weapons, whatever. And they would just like give it a PBR pass and it was like leaps and bounds better. Right. So I think it's really telling, right. Because it's a lot of it is like the, the, the tech at the time. Right. So like what you made at the time, just because things are different now, doesn't mean that that work is bad and you should Mm -hmm. judge the, the artist so harshly on it. It's like, that was the reality at the time. And we all kind of did that. Yeah. But when you you fluff it up a bit, eh, it's pretty cool, man. You know, like mm-hmm. it shows that like yeah. what it could be now, right? And I, I did that like with one of my textures, like I did this roofing tile like some months back. And you know, just last couple of months, I, I like was messing with it and I just did a, a whole new pass on it. Yeah. And it was yeah. awesome, you know, because I was like, it just was something that was, you know, I've taken everything I've learned in substance since then and, and applied it. And it's like way better now. Right. Yeah. So even though like I could have just left it alone, but I 
you know, I had a lot of fun updating it. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think one thing that might be interesting to hear hear from uh, you, Josh, since we have have you on the podcast, is just yeah. Um, you know, we we spent a a long time talking about substance. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what students, uh, like might want to kind of gear up on or, or or focus on when trying to learn learn that software or learn this software? Yeah, I mean that's a man that could almost be a whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll have but, to bring you back. Yeah. For... Yeah, but I think um, uh, just specifically about textures, um, I think what what I'd really like to see is like. Uh, you know, for me, a lot of people think of me as like, you know, oh, he's the substance, one of the substance guys. But before I was an environment artist and I thought in that logic, yeah. I know, I, I notice a lot of students now will post only textures and, and don't get me wrong. Like that's an awesome thing. Right. But like showing it in context is, is really good as well. Yeah. So I want to, want to, you know, throw that out there. I think, um, showing like an un understanding uh, for fundamentals is really good. So like what I mean is you kind of think of it like uh, almost like 2D, right? Yeah. Like if, you're, if your core fundamentals aren't sound, then everything else is going to kind of feel weird. So I guess with textures, what that means to me is like your height and your normal are really good and yep. your roughness is good and your albedo is good. But to show the grayscale render so we can kind of see like what I call like the structure, uh, for lack of a better term, like without yeah. the albedo, maybe without the rough, uh, the roughness, but just the height and the normal on its own. I, I love seeing that stuff um, because yeah. that allows me to kind of see it and go, oh, like if I'm hiring like maybe a junior texture artist, yeah, I can go, oh, okay, the height and the normal are really good. They just need some help with their albedo yeah. we can we can we can work on that but if you kind of don't show that then maybe i don't see that just you know theoretic like theoretically like throwing that out as an example so i think yeah that's a really good point yeah and like you know <laughs> man there's a lot to talk about here but i think uh <laughs> like just i i like to see this this may sound uh, weird to some people to mention it, but I really want to see like if you can write a little tutorial. That's because awesome. yeah, because well, how do you think about it? What what are you thinking about? Like, are you able to explain it? A, a lot of times, like with a portfolio, it's your interview before the interview. I I think of it that way. You know, like yeah, yeah. What what are they what are they showing? Like, what are they telling me? Yeah, I think presentation, and I'm curious to get both of your guys' thoughts on this too, is like, I'm definitely very much of the belief that like, show what is in game, show what people that are going to buy your game are going to see. Yeah. Right. Um, and so presenting anything, you know, like, I'm even extremist, like, I'll go as far as saying, don't, don't use, uh, don't use Marmoset. Like, show it in game. If you have a prop, put it in the game engine, because it's nice to be able to plug in the textures and have something that's nice and rendered for sure, which is what Marmoset can do great. Yeah. But being able to actually go through the process of even getting a model into a game engine, setting it up through the material system into the textures, 
that you know, yeah. and importing all that stuff. Yeah. And presenting it and lighting it shows that you know how to use a game engine at least on some level. And that no, goes I, beyond you know, beyond just that, right? That goes materials, it goes especially for environments. Like yeah. any of that. Yeah, no, I, I I agree completely and I think uh honestly showing both is is good to me. Uh mm -hmm. because you're showing it like you said, Ryan, in the in the end result. But sometimes, like Marmoset, can allow a little artistic flair. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah. man, they have like a they kind of have a knack for lighting. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool. Cool. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, maybe not one or the other, but both. You know, in the same yeah. post is is cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a perfectly great way to that. That's the best way I've ever heard anybody put that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. should stop now. We're definitely coming up to the end here. Uh, the one thing I did I did want to kind of bring up real quick before we we shift off to our, our last little segment is that sure uh, you know right now everyone is I mean you are one of the the big forces in the substance movement here and everyone right now is showing their art with mostly spheres. Like I see a lot of a lot of the uh, materials on spheres right now. Uh, the one thing that I noticed that you did with your Shadow of War work is that, and you've you've touched on this just a little bit before, is that you you made sure to kind of show the stuff in in gameplay and and within reference. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't suggest that enough. Just like for for students and and for anyone going into this field to do that. But I, I, what I was interested in in your take of is knowing that most of the time you create multiple textures with multiple blends. Do you yeah. see the sphere pipeline moving anywhere else, or or, or do you think that that's here to stay and and just to keep showing you know uh, the 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 work in the actual game? Yeah, <laughs> man. No, I think uh, yeah. There's a lot of balls, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think um, you know, I was a cylinder guy for a long time. <laughs> Loved loved me some cylinder. Yeah, yeah. But I was I was doing my Shadow of War renders and I was like, these don't these don't feel as good. Like so what I was doing was yeah. like I was I was setting up my, my like lighting rig because I wanted everything to be consistent, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll put it on a cylinder, I'll put it on the round rounded cube, I'll put it on the sphere. And honestly, the sphere just was feeling really good. Yeah. And to the point now where like I've kind of uh, made it a an effort in in my downtime to kind of go back to almost all my old stuff now and just put it on a sphere and re-render it. Awesome. And I think that that's been a really enlightening experience and really rewarding because I've taken everything that I've learned about lighting and rendering in, in Marmoset that I didn't know before when I was doing this like my old stuff like three years ago. Yeah. And it looks so much better, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to like updating old pieces yeah like that's really cool right it's been such a rewarding experience for me i'm not necessarily churning out new stuff every week like i was for a while or every month or whatever but i'm 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 growing right yeah. i'm feeling good and i think that you kind of asked a question earlier about how do you stay fresh and inspired and i think that's really made me feel good man yeah. you know like I'm, it's awesome. not a yeah. not a yeah. pressure of like oh i got to put out this new piece it's like why don't I, I want to show everybody what I what I know I can do, all yeah. all the way through now, right? So yeah, um, that may be a little a little tangent there, but I'm trying to trying to keep it keep it like you know pretty honest here. And I think yeah, 
I do think that the the sphere stuff is really good, right? Yeah. Like it it shows stuff really well. Um, but one thing I want to say, you, you kind of touch on it, is like when I show stuff from COD or Shadow of War or, or any game I've worked on, right? And I have the 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 sphere, the cylinder with it, and the texture flats off to the side or whatever. Yeah. It there's no there's no uh, there's no feeling of like oh that looks really good, but what about the game? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Um, when you look at the Shadow of War stuff and the COD stuff, they're they're pretty one to one in that they feel both good in the scene, like in the game, in the environment, and then also on their own. Yeah. So I think that's something to say, right? Is like when you're making stuff for your your own exercise, you know, like I have a lot of stuff that's just on its own. And that's for me to be like, I want to tell a story with this texture and like what what can I do here? How would I tackle this? Like that's for me to grow. Yeah. But it's super important to show it like in in the in the context in the in the game. Mm-hmm. And tie it back in together like if you notice on my art station there's like a few shots of the level and then you see the spears and then on and on and it kind of repeats so yeah no I think uh, you know you kind of touched on blends a little bit I think blends are a a good thing to show Yeah, you know for sure so yeah no I think showing blends is is really good even if it's just in Unreal like on a little plane yeah, and you still show the sphere on its own. It could be really good. Um, so we're coming up to the end here, and usually, yeah. what uh, Ryan and I like doing. Well, we've only had one, <laughs> one episode, but <laughs> what, we, <laughs> so, what we like doing it's last a, episode. It's a time-honored tradition as of, uh, <laughs> as of two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys in like pre-pro for a few episodes before you, you know, you went? You know, we, little we did, alpha. We did have <laughs> we did have a little bit. We of had meetings about being in pre-pro. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. We we went we went full dev with it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. um, usually what we like to do is is kind of like talk about some some of the cool tech that maybe we're working with or exploring with, and um and ga- any games we're playing now, and then we we like to end with uh, something that's inspired you lately. So I don't know if you want to take a take a stab at this is there any games that you've been playing or any cool tech you've been uh, exploring with yeah uh i've been playing a lot of call of duty world war ii awesome. uh, my wife and i you know rock that multiplayer the split screen awesome you know? yeah yeah it's really fun uh that's felt really good i feel like that's a that's a good installment and direction for the the whole the whole franchise there um I think yeah. uh haven't really messed with any new tech uh to be honest um yeah, yeah. but but well, what's inspired me is a lot of man there's a uh I would say that there's a lot of really good artists that are like pushing me okay so awesome. yeah you know yeah. you know Deet you know Ben Wilson just laying it down with the yeah. rendering I mean, just dude, awesome. like holy shit. So that's kind of that's kind of made me be like, oh, I need to step it up, right? So I think yeah. that that's really cool. Like, and that's I know that's texture specific, but it's it mat like it matters, right? It kind of lit a fire under my ass. I was like, oh man, I gotta like, I gotta get after it, right? And yeah, that's really cool, man. You know, I've been doing this for almost ten years now, and so to have anything light a fire under my ass still is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. to be like, absolutely. oh, cool. Like, I still, I still want to like really do it. You know, and I think, um, 
what what continues to inspire me is the people that I work with in the mentorships. Awesome. Man, they show up like so eager and I'm like, oh my God. It like refuels it like refuels me, right? It's really cool. Yeah. So. That's cool, man. I mean yeah, just to add on to the I, I'm not really ex- exploring with any tech, but just yeah, when every single time Daniel puts out another material, one of you guys do, and I get a little notification on ArtStation, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta stop real quick and look at this. I spend my, you know, yeah. my lunch break or yeah. something like that just pouring over this thing, and then and yeah. going and finding reference, and and really with the substances and with the textures, like how would I go about making that, and like playing this little game in my head where it's like, okay. I would use these nodes and this and this and this. And if they if they provided documentation, then going back and looking at what nodes they use, be like, okay, cool. I didn't know that you could use that that way, or you know, and and, and just gaining more and more knowledge of how to cre- you know kind of create this art within this program. Yeah, I mean, awesome like for me. Christopher Hodgson too, right? Like, yeah, he put out like a sci-fi thing. Yes. Recently, yep. and I was like, oh my god, it like flickers. <laughs> Yeah. And that's like that's, but that's like a nice. It's it was so nice. Like it it was like oh, that feels so so sci-fi, right? Like yeah, it's really cool. So glitchy. Yeah. I have, I haven't gotten a chance to play uh, the World War Two yet, but I did watch the D-Day scene because I'm just I just love those D-Day levels, even back to uh, Medal of Honor two. And running through the D-Day mission in the beginning of that, it's like I have to see this D-Day mission. So I watched that, and it just looked really impressive, and the art was fantastic. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you? What about you, Ryan? How, uh, any cool tech that you're looking at, or what games you're playing? Uh, not, not a whole lot of new tech that I'm totally taking a look at, but I wanted to give a shout out to uh, actually in addition to Unity, because I know there's a few people that listen to us that use the Unity engine. Heck yeah. Uh, they just recently integrated into their editor uh, Pro Builder, which is this really great BSP, like probably the best like use of BSP um, like tool that you can have for like a game engine. It's like super easy, super quick to be able to like prototype stuff. And even like, I think games like Super Hot have actually shipped with it as well because it's just stylistically like the blockiness design can work for them. Awesome. Um, and that stuff is such a huge, huge deal. You know, I think there's so many people that use Unity. There's a lot of students, a lot of people in my mentorship that use it as well. And it's definitely a tool that you have to kind of like get a couple different plugins here and there to kind of get the thing up and running. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that I think is coming down the pipe from them. And I think once you kind of cobble stuff together, you can get some really cool stuff. So for those of you that are interested in being able to do blockouts, which is something um, I try to push for as well as like, hey, get blockouts in engine, put some lighting in there, get some colors in there when you're building an environment. Uh, it helps you talk out about so it super early. Yep. Yes. And uh, yep. it's just yep. like, get that in yes. there. And if, you, it's, if it's just BSP and it's super easy and fast to do, if it's yep. faster for you to put bring in like a plane and just snap stuff together, that's great too. Yep. But this is a really great option, I think, for people out there that are just interested in being able to like block out their spaces and get everything in the correct metric. And again, like I mentioned, get all the lighting and color filled in there fairly quickly. Uh, get the scale right. I think that's something really cool that uh, you can yeah. take a look it at. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people will ask me like, when do you put a texture into the engine? And I'm like, when it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just stupid early. 
Awesome. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, well, everybody's going to know what it is. And like, you you know how it feels next to the in-game character. You know, like if it, if it doesn't yep. feel good super early, then it's not going to feel good. Get adding, a stairway, adding, get a doorway in, dude. put yep. your character next to it, and yeah. you're set. Yeah, yeah put, get those measurements just, right, and you're fine. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's like, it's a it's a tough. I can imagine that's tough for for students and other artists, right? Because you see really popular artists that are like, well, they're just putting it on the sphere, but we're also telling them, hey, we want to see it in game. Yeah. But you know what? Like, when you're in the studio and you're in there for an interview, all those, you know, guys and and gals interviewing you, they want to know what you're going to do when it comes to in game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're not here for like the Marmoset show. They're here no. for like we got to get this shit done. Show so exactly. Yeah, that's kind of why it's like stressing both. Like I don't think we all three of us or the whole community couldn't stress that enough. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, I I do my spheres because <laughs> that's <laughs> like my like my at home release, right? That's what I do yeah. with my time. But yeah, man, when you're trying to g- get gainful employment. You want to you want to rock the the scene, so. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah especially especially so. with textures. I mean, yeah. textures and textures inherently are where I mean, like, not to get like too preachy about it, but like they take up vast swaths of space. No, a game. you're painting with a huge brush. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. Uh, and in terms of games I'm playing right now. Uh, I'm sure this is not a surprise to either one of you guys, but uh, <laughs> I recently picked up a uh, Super NT, which uh, I think is a huge tangent here. It's a clone Super Nintendo <laughs> that is not emulation, at least in terms of the like the traditional idea of what like software emulation is. Yeah. It's built using a uh, piece of hardware called an FPGA and basically mimics a Super Nintendo yeah. down to like the like even any of the glitches you might see in a regular game running on like a legit Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um what's cool about it though is that it has HDMI out. Now, some people might be like, "Why don't you just take a Super Nintendo and plug it into an HDTV?" Uh that is an incredibly depending on how, the quality you want. Yeah. I should stress that. That can be a very 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 expensive endeavor. Uh, which I have definitely gotten down <laughs> over the last year. <laughs> but um, regardless of that, uh, it's a really cool piece of hardware to see that stuff when you start thinking about stuff from a preservation standpoint of like, how are we going to be able to keep these games running on legitimate hardware to see what the original intent of the developers were, of the artists were. Uh, I think it's important to start thinking about that stuff now because we're already having issues where like PS1 like CD drives are going to start dying in the next 5 to 10 years yeah. and you're not going to be able to play your PS1 games SNESs and carts you know the batteries are already dying in a lot of Game Boy games and Super Nintendo games like yep. you can always put one in there but at some point those boards and those pieces of hardware are going to break and so yep. I think it's cool to be able to see people are trying to keep that stuff alive and also, you know, make it accessible in a lot of cases. Absolutely. Right? Like being able to plug in a machine 
or you know, like plug in a Super Nintendo straight into an HDMI port and just get the super clear, crisp picture and know that it like, hey, this is as close to hardware accurate as it possibly can. Yeah. Um, so I've just been playing around with that because like I have I have an old game set up in my office here with like I don't even want to say how many consoles I have in here, but a lot uh, <laughs> that are all hooked <laughs> up to a device that video that that well. It's hooked up to two screens, hooked up to a CRT, yeah. and hooked up to my HDTV, which is then uh, being connected to a upscaler. And it's crazy. It's nuts. That's but now awesome. I have the ability just to take my Super Nintendo, put it into my living room TV, pop in a Super Nintendo cart, and just be able to get that with my surround sound and everything else that I have in there. And it's amazing. And Super Nintendo games are the best. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As as for me, uh, I know we don't. We've been going for a while, but I'll just just give me one second just to swoon over that Monster Hunter World, fellas. Ooh, Let me man, just. I, <laughs> I have to listen. I have to. I, I've developed a nice schedule for myself, so I don't just find myself just falling into that into that game like Dumbledore falling in Harry Potter falling into Dumbledore's pensive. You know, it's just like, man, I I just <laughs> I play that game. A, a good amount, but the one thing that blows my mind is that they have these awesome, really, really inspiring monsters in that world, and the color patterning of some of the monsters it legitimately reflects uh, flora and textures within the environment. Like that's awesome, they, it, dude. It is like the next step for me in the sense of just like not only like kind of narrative storytelling, but c- creating a believable world. And doing right. it in something as simple of just like changing the albedo of the the, the leaves to be the same color swatches as the char- the character or the the monster, so yeah. that to me is just like blew my mind when I saw it. I, I didn't realize what was going on until like I, I kind of immersed myself in that game and and started just picking it apart. But uh, there's so much attention to detail in that game, not just from the visual design of, also from the movement <laughs> and combat in, in that game and the way that you track things yep. it feels <laughs> fairly believable you know like yep. you're not going to have the most you know you're not going to be able to automatically swing every single time a giant weapon you need to be able to actually you know build the force up to do that yep. you're not going to be able to dodge roll as easily as you would in something like even like bloodborne yeah you know, where you just like dodge around and do whatever this is like no like you got energy you got stamina and sometimes it's slow based off of whatever animation you're coming out of yep um yeah okay. that game is awesome yeah and then and then other than that instead uh in the sense of inspiring me i've tried to recently just uh kind of like organize myself i've always been organized but i've never really like been into like getting a daily planner and trying to write down everything i've, I've done it on my phone but i'm kind of getting uh, wishy-washy with that just because you know like it's only on my phone my phone runs out of batteries i don't like it. i can't really bring it in the meetings i don't like bringing my phone in the meetings at work so uh from the recommendation of one of my friends and the recommendation of ryan i went and bought a hobo nietzsche <laughs> daily or yearly planner it's called a cousin yearly 2018 planner and that thing is awesome, man. Like it has, it's broken down to uh, months, weeks, and days. You can write notes in all different sections. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a cover for yourself. It has the little tethers of the bookmarks. So you, you go into a meeting, you pop open the day, and you start writing down what you need to do. And it just, it's just basically heightened 
my efficiency, not only at work, but at home. I just have everything written down now. And I feel um, just like I'm kind of, it's, it's, it's less stress now to kind of like have something uh, with me like that, where I just like keep everything going. And it allows me to kind of figure out, I was like, oh man, like, you know, I have a little bit of extra time here. I can do something or, um, and just, I found that really helpful just being super busy um, and, and trying mm-hmm. to get some personal Yeah, that's cool, in. man. Getting that so, analog. Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. Going going analog has been good, and also going analog, it's like got to pick up one of the Etcher art satchels. Um, mm. The the guys at Etcher are awesome, and they created this new uh, art satchel that's waterproof and is fully customizable inside. And I'm a big traditional media guy. I love still painting and watercolors, and so I I, I have a a new messenger bag now that has a, a, a plate on the bottom that I can screw it into a tripod. I can go on the trail at lunch and paint tree, uh, studies of trees or a landscape study uh, within an hour. And it's all in my bag that I take to work with my with my planner in it. And with, That's awesome, uh, man. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll have to put the link in the, um, the YouTube below, but these guys have really knocked it out of the park and it's one heck of a bag. So, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, real quick, I, because I forgot to mention the inspiring thing that i read this week um so it was an article that spurred a a, a thought about theme park layout and how so much of that is so relatable and 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 i'm sure at some point this in a future episode on on the podcast but uh just talking about the way that theme park particularly with disney and universal kind of the peak of that stuff and how they lay out and transition between so many varying themes uh, within their worlds, right? You take oh, a look at something awesome. like Disneyland, where it's like you have an old turn of the old 1900s, like turn of the century, like Main Street Town. Then you have like Jungles of Africa. Then you have Toontown. Then you have Fantasyland. Then you have like some bizarre 90s Tomorrowland-looking weird shit. Um, and how they blend all those things together and transition between the lands in those different hubs and also obviously also the layout of that stuff where it is all very hub based yeah and in a way it's like you can relate that back to so many games over the over the history of games uh and it's really kind of neat and for as an environment artist it's cool to then see like okay how do they transition between like Tomorrowland and Fantasyland what does that gray area in between look like and they always do something to like give you a nice kind of smooth transition and it's done in a very like thematic and cinematic way that's very much kind of like oh cool and it's all stuff that's very relatable to what we do as in those parks you think about it it's like you're moving through those spaces you're having an experiential time with that like being in that space yeah and that's very much how a lot of games are experienced as well it's like hey you're in there moment to moment Yep. You can look around, you can see all these different things, and it's interesting to then see how they like lay that stuff out. So um, I'm sure we'll probably link it in in the show notes, the uh, actual article that I read. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's re- really, really cool. Um, yeah, hopefully again we'll talk about that at a future time. Well, I think that's it, fellas. I mean, the, the one last thing I would like to say is, Josh, do you want to... Um plug uh your website or uh or anything uh your mentorship at the end yeah yeah actually uh yeah thanks for the the plug man Um, yeah no problem problem. (laughs) so yeah like if you just go to uh, gumroad.com slash you know art of josh lynch like 
that's where all my tutorials are at. That's where I offer uh, mentorships. So that's yeah, awesome. Um, that's awesome, man. Get out yeah. there and learn how to make some stuff. <laughs> um, did, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, that's that's like a, a huge passion project of mine is is cultivating that whole thing. So uh, thanks for letting me plug it. Yeah, no problem. And yeah, thank, sure, thanks yeah. again for coming to the podcast, man. Like it's no, it's been, uh, it's an a honor. Hum, it's yeah, no, same for me. Like you, it, it's really cool to be the first guest. So thank Heck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a very enlightening and pretty great conversation. Yeah, I think yeah. so, and I hope it it helps a lot of people, both students and other, you know, professionals alike. Uh, you know, we all share the same struggles or have shared them. So, you know, don't feel alone. You're not you're not, you know, different or like it's only happening to you. Right. So. Heck yeah. 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 We'll have to have you on uh, one other time down the line. I'd love some to. Student yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Thanks so much right. for listening thanks. And, and thanks for doing this dudes. And I'll see you all, right. all next yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Bye. So yeah. I guess we'll start now. We'll just we'll work with the flow. Uh, anything yeah. happens with the recording, we'll go from there. Everything on my end looks good, so I'll apologize cool. in advance if for some reason I contact you guys and say it didn't record. But I, I think we're okay. good. <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry.